Spurs supporting actor and director James Hiller has been casted again today for the 1993-94 season of YE1 Daily, along with 22-year-old Simeon Wright and the evergreen Peter Wright, who has some proud news to reveal on the music front in a moment. I'm Ian Wallace, this is YE1 Spurs, and you, the listeners to our podcast, make all this worth it. Band of veterans, Peter Sim and I continue to plough on with this impassioned retreat through Tottenham's history, reminding ourselves, and in Sim's case at this point, educating ourselves as to the footballers, coaches, and keyboard members who have passed through N17 and the degree of success these people enjoyed on the football pitch. But easily, the best thing about this commitment has been sharing the past with over a dozen guests, all of whom will point to Spurs as a major part of their lives. James, as the latest treasured guest on the podcast, how did you find yesterday's true through 1994-95 season? Yeah, I thought it was very interesting and I, and I enjoyed it a lot, actually. It's I'm quite impressed. good looking back, isn't it? It is good looking back and it refreshes all those memories you've, you've had sort of drift off into the ether over the years. And, and I'm just, I'm always, like, when I listen to this, I'm impressed by how much you guys you know off the bat as well it, it does impress me i think these years in particular it's interesting maybe i don't have so much recall of it and i and i and i realize why um now as we speak because i was a student at the time and i also i don't think i was going along to so many matches because i was totally skint so my memory of it is very much through watching match of the day and what was on the sort of pages in the newspaper yeah Many listeners may not know that YE1 regular Peter also has another career in the music industry. Peter, we found out last podcast that you nearly penned uh, an FA Cup final song for Spurs till we got knocked out by Everton. But this is your moment here to tell us about some big news you have in the songwriting world. Peter, go on, don't be humble. Come on, show off. Yeah, um... Niall Rogers, uh, who's the creative director, I don't know if you've got it, or curator of Abbey Road Studios, where I guess there's some iconic records that have been made there, has selected one of my songs as the winning song in uh, the song competition that they were holding there from about 500 songs. So, I, Unbelievable. I, I, Amazing. I just, I don't know, I just figured that he's been around enough great songs to, I suppose, know what he's talking about. So, yeah, it's, it's a great honour. Uh, feel honoured, I think. I'm going to have a feedback session with him next week, I think. So, that's, uh, yeah, very exciting. very exciting. It's absolutely fantastic. And, Peter, I'm, I'm a bit worried that your newfound fame means you might not do this podcast with us mortals anymore. Yeah, well, my, my fee might increase. <laughs> 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 I'll get your people to talk to my To a people. couple of quid. And... <laughs> cool, well, that's, yeah. that, is, that is really, really excellent stuff, Peter. It's great to talk about some success before delving into such an unsuccessful season for Spurs. So the summer of 1993 brought with it elements of excitement, frustration and acrimony as club legend Osvaldo Ardiles returned to White Hart Lane as manager though was afforded just one summer signing in Jason Dazelle, both events against the backdrop of legal proceedings concerning Chairman Alan Sugar and recently at the time dismissed Chief Executive Terry Venables. 
James and Peter, as today's elder pundits, how did you feel when Aussie came in? And also, did the clash between sugar and venables leave a bad taste in the mouth? Peter first. Yeah, well, it was a warm feeling about Aussie coming in. Obviously, I'd watched mm. him as a player. That great team with him and Hoddle in it, you know, just brought back sort of great memories. And I thought, well, he's going to bring a bit of that in, yeah, in bring it on. The thing between um, Sugar and Venables, I can't say that I really understood what was going on there. I felt that Venables at the time had brought the good times back to the club, played great football, was tactically astute, had brought us a trophy. So I guess I, I was sort of like on his side, if you ask me at the time. And I suppose Sugar was sort of cast as a sort of pantomime villain in my mind. The short answer is yes, it did leave a bad taste in the mouth. Yeah, I think like Peter gutted to see Venables go because he's just a very approachable guy. As a fan, you you can connect with him. He's got that charisma, that quality, like Harry Redknapp. He brought in players like Gascoigne and Lineker. And it, although the fortunes were quite mixed, I think any manager who's won you a cup or you've had some success under you're going to feel emotionally attached to them. They were exciting times when he was at the lane. So certainly there was regret that he was leaving. I, I also didn't quite understand what was going on between them. And Sugar often seemed like quite a sort of curmudgeonly person. I don't think yeah. he came across very well. No, um, Do you think, James, that Sugar, was obviously it was all Sugar's money pretty much, or most of it, do you think he felt a bit jealous of the influence Venables had and Venables was Spurs and Sugar wasn't getting any you know, any kudos for it? Do you think that, James? Yeah, I mean, there might have been a little bit of that kind of you're the lead singer and I'm the bass player thing going <laughs> good, on, good you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, very likely. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Like, Peter, did you feel yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Like, like James, I think, yeah, Venables had the charisma. I think wrote novels. He wrote the Hazel novels, didn't he? Uh, he he and, did. Yeah, he's a very talented guy, but I mean, as he went on to prove with England, you know, the guy knew his way around tactics. I think he took football out of that four-four-two kind of mentality and that introducing diamonds. He was like Mr Spurs. He'd been in that 67 Cup final winning team as well, which not, <clears> I don't know if everybody knows that, but he was in that team with Greaves and Gilzean and so, yeah, he was kind of like a Mr. Spurs in that sense. Yeah, sad to see him go. He was sacked as chief exec in May 1993. And also then Clements and Livermore got sacked as well. So presumably Sim, you know, looking, reading between the lines, and I think I remember this rightly, that basically Venables was pretty much very heavily involved in the football running. And that's why Clements and Livermore were sort of like two assistant managers. Sim, is that sort of how you read it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, that from well, they, Liverpool had something around not maybe a, a few years later, didn't they? With the other joint manager thing with Julier and Roy Evans, and it just didn't work. Uh, that's, it's a it's a setup that it's a bit like player managers that you saw kind of a bit more commonly around this time. And uh, <laughs> being the age I am, I can't really get my head around that kind of setup. Yeah, the Julier yeah, thing just didn't work at all. Strange one, isn't it? Anyway, we move on to the season. Sim, could you sort of the players, I mean, the start of the season, uh, as we sort of said, the Venables thing left a bad taste in our mouth, but Aussie sort of was good. And the players, Sim, if you can tell us the players who came in that season. Well, I don't imagine you could have been filled with that much excitement. I suppose Jason, Jason Dezel came in two million from Ipswich, not a 
a small amount of money, I suppose. He'd scored seven Premier League goals, I think, for them in the first Premier League season. So he was the big signing of the summer. But he was the only signing of the summer. I think David Kerslake, the right back from Leeds, came in in October. And Mickey Hazard came back from Swindon in November. But those were the only three signings of the summer. And um, Ronnie yeah. Rosenthal and Kevin, Kevin Scott came in. Scott, Peter, looking back at those players... You know, it's not filling you with excitement, I wouldn't think, was it? I'm incredibly underwhelmed <laughs> by if Jason, if Jason Dale is your marquee signing. No disrespect, then you know when you compare that to what happened during the Klinsman year and, and all that stuff, and yeah, yeah, very underwhelmed. James, how do you sort of feel looking back and remembering that? Look, looking back at those players, you know, how do you feel? It just it feels like a fallow year, you know. Feels like a year where you're just treading water, and yeah, you've got mm. Ardili's coming in. That's very exciting because he's so loved, and and that was such a great period of time for Spurs when he was he was around. And I guess his presence is what kept things buoyant. He was the signing. Great point. But the players who went out, Sim, if you can tell us who went out. Yeah, Gordon Jury, a striker, went to Rangers. He did score a couple of goals during the, the start of the Juke, Jukebox Jury. <laughs> yeah. Did they really? Yeah, Jukebox was his nickname. Yeah. What was that? Because there was a show in the 60s called Jukebox Jury. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm really showing my age now. <laughs> 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 he just got the nickname. <laughs> yeah, the panel show where they used to have a, a panel judging the latest releases. That way, and it was called Jukebox Jury. But I'm looking forward to the podcast. Game shows of the 1960s and 70s, Pete. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Gordon Jury was sort of named after that show. He's on contract, James. He can't go anywhere. <laughs> Who else um, went out, Sim? Yeah, so Paul Allen ended, uh, I don't know how long he was there, but he ended his association with us. He went to Southampton. Scott Houghton left as well. I'm, I'm not familiar yeah. with that name um, short stocky guy yeah a young goalkeeper called Kevin Dearden went out and um, Terry Fenwick left as well he went the opposite direction to Hazard he went out to, to Swindon and also 33 year old Wales defender and I saw that I saw the name Pat Van Den Howe and I wouldn't have thought that he would have played for Wales I, yeah. I thought I've got to say I did think Dutch but he went to Millwall uh, and he played quite a few games for us actually he was a hard tackler he was he did he was like really he was a beast Norman yeah. your legs type of guy. He was a frightening character, wasn't he? And didn't Neil Rudd go in that season as well, Sim? He did actually, yeah, in, in 93. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Do you think, guys, James first, do you think that possibly Ardiles came in? Sugar only gave him four million to spend. Do you think he didn't trust Aussie or why, why didn't he give him a lot of money? Because normally a new manager comes in and thinks, hey, I have the cash. Don't you think, James? Yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, mm. I guess he's sort of hoping... Because Sheringham had been playing pretty well, hadn't he? Maybe he's sort of just hoping that that's going to carry on and that he will... Because uh, he sort of got us out, out of dodge a little bit, sharing the season before. So, yeah, it, it is surprising that you don't back that manager. Yeah, very surprising. Maybe just hoping for the best that year. Yeah, maybe he was maybe being a little bit... Overcautious, but then maybe you need to look at the backdrop of what other people were spending. You know, often we do look at that, and so look well, at it, they look at it in the context of what other clubs were spending at the time. I'll give you the context of other clubs. We spent four million. Sheffield Wednesday spent six. Arsenal's one. Everton two. Liverpool seven. Blackburn ten. Um, 
even Southampton spent nearly three. City seven million. West Ham three. Leeds four. Villa four. Chelsea three point five. Newcastle seven. And United spent seven million, pretty much, which was just Roy Keane. So you know, we we can I can I ask a question in though? But yeah. we, so we yeah. spent four million. But even though Sim, you just told me the players we brought in, I can't remember them. That's I think the problem is that. Four million is at that time not a bad amount of money to spend, but you've got to you've got to spend it on one or two really good people. And I think that that's where they got it wrong that season. It was sort of it was it was a lot of mediocre middling kind of yeah, signings. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, United spent seven million on Roy Keane. Yeah, there we go. Do you think, Peter, if Sugar had his time again, and we've said this before on the podcast, Sugar had his time again, he would have spent big. And he might have guaranteed a better return. I just don't think he understood football, Peter. Do you? No, I mean, I think he needed, like I think I mentioned it before, he needed a football guy alongside him to really mm. kind of like help with that side of things. Yeah, maybe just to push the boat out a bit. I think it kind of could have nudged us into Europe. If he could do it again, maybe he would have considered things differently. I mean, that, there's obviously the season following season he spent a lot more didn't he we still missed out on Europe the following season but we were closer we were getting closer to Europe also there was a period of time there we didn't seem to really sign defenders it sort of became like Spurs were just the people you noticed that we were signing more as sort of strikers really or kind of attacking midfielders and as we know you need to build a whole team don't you so when you look at the success now of teams like Liverpool and you know, how they build that round by in a big marquee defender name. There wasn't that thinking back then. And so we seem to not ever be looking at building a whole team. We always seem to be looking to sort of like create that very kind of Spurs-ness, if you like, which is flamboyance and attacking play, if you like. It was a defender, David Kersley, but 400, mm-hmm. 450k is, you can't call that pushing the boat out, can you really? Mm, Kevin Scott no. as well. Yeah. I think pretty much the defence that season was, uh, you know, we had Mabbott and Calderwood and Campbell as centre-backs. Edinburgh pretty much played most games. And Austin and Kerslake were at right-back. I mean, that, for me, looking back, James, wasn't, you know, a great defence for me. No, and you're rinsing Gary Mabbott. I mean, he is, he's a legend and I absolutely love him. And I remember when I first supported Spurs, meeting him at the training ground and, and just it, it, you you really shone to him as a supporter of the club but he needed more around him at that time he was sort of like he, he is starting to kind of get a bit older isn't he so I just sort of feel like if we could have just made more of an effort to create a, a team that had some balance certainly the left back right back just in Edinburgh you know he was a decent player but it sort of seemed to me until Stephen Carr solidified his place in the team kind of a few years later we didn't really have anyone in those left back right back positions who could change a game and we look at the game nowadays contemporary game of football and those positions they can they can make a massive difference absolutely great point great point that is really great and i I think that's the peter i think you would agree with me and what james has just said about you know i i I didn't really i'm sure you'll agree i didn't really want us to sign defenders because I just wanted these flamboyant players. Peter, have you felt mm. like that over your yeah, you just over the people, you years? Wanted to, you wanted names to excite you, but you oh. need to be thinking in terms of how you're building a team. Like you mentioned, Roy Keane. You mentioned what you know, like scroll that on a few years, and 
you look at Liverpool identifying a specific target in defence and spending big, you know, and these days, you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be an out-and-out striker, just somebody, a big name, you know. Man United spent thirty million on Rio Ferdinand, you know, but, mm. they, but they got mm. the returns. Yeah. They got the returns, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, there's there's an adage in darts, a sport I love, uh, which is uh, 180s uh, for show, doubles for dough, which mm. I think pretty much sort of sums up. Possibly we should have bought a few defenders in that time. Sim, can you sort of tell us how the season started? Obviously, we were underwhelmed with our signings we brought in, but how did we start the season? Just one more point on, I, I mean, one thing that James said that I really picked up on was he said that sharing them would kind of like bailed us out in seasons, and this was very similar this season. But the problem was, and I suppose... You could say that Aussie, we just looked at the signings and Aussie hadn't really been backed. Sheringham only played 19 games this season, but he scored, still scored 15 goals. So he very much was sort of bailing us out, even though he didn't really play that much. He had, was injured for pretty much the whole season. And also on the defenders, were, we were without Mabbott for a lot of this season because this was the famous season where John Fashion, who put his elbow through his eye socket. Yep. Restructured mm. his yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was it. That happened in November against against Wimbledon. He was out for I think three months in that season. But again, we start we started identical in terms of the first four games to the season before. We won three out of the first four. The first game for our dealers was a one 0 win at Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. They were actually the Division One champions. So this was their first season. This is the second Premier League season, but it was their first season in it. But yeah, we won three out of the first four. It was it was looking pretty good. We did lose to Arsenal in the second game at home, which is, as Ian would, would say, bitterly disappointing that. Do any of you guys remember that game? I think I might have airbrushed that out, man. Yeah, it was, was really bitterly disappointing. Right, Ian Wright. Yeah, let's, 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 Vaguely. let's not Vaguely. talk about that. Let's, 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 let's <laughs> move on from that. I remember going to the Man City game, and I remember Dezel started quite well, actually. James, do you remember Jason Dezel was a player? I think he started quite well. He had certainly moments where he could transform a game but I don't quite know why he never properly took off for us yeah it's yeah. strange what is it Peter and midfield pretty much most of the season we had Barnby Anderton we had Vinnie Samways Sedgley and Kasky and Howes that was sort of like you know the people vying for those positions I mean that isn't a strong midfield when you think United had just bought Roy Keane did you feel that Peter we were a bit weak in midfield Samways had played in the creative half of the Gaza midfield that Venables had created, you know, and I thought that was the exciting half. The other half of that, those names that you mentioned, weren't very exciting. And someone like Dazelle was very disappointing, like, although he did start well. Don't forget, it was a big move for him. This was his big move, wasn't it, from Ipswich, where he was expected, yeah, it was. expected to kick on, and it just, for whatever reason, it didn't. Just to give a bit of context, that season we actually ended up finished 14th, which was shocking. 15. But we were actually three point oh fifth, sorry, three points off relegation, and we were nearly we nearly went down that season, didn't yeah. we? Yes, you see, that set the tone for the following season, and that's immediately going to put Aussie on the pressure there. That sort of finish. In the first say ten games, we didn't start that badly under Ardiles, but then from say October onwards, we started to lose a lot of games and we drew a lot of games didn't we uh, Sid? We did yeah I mean I suppose one of the weird kind of ways that things have panned out is that we we won I think it was the it was the fourth game of the season we won at Anfield we've only actually won once at Anfield since then and I think it's just one of those weird things where like one of the most unsuccessful managers in recent history which unfortunately Aussie was it's a bit like someone like Ramos winning the League Cup 
and just for whatever reason they they achieve quite big things but they but they just overall their their time with the club is unsuccessful but yeah you're right we we started pretty well but then i mean it just completely fell apart didn't it we beat Oldham 5-0 at the lane which was probably looks like our standout game of the season but i don't imagine they were a particularly good side but then we just if you if you pull the whole kind of a big part of the season together we won two games in 15 we beat everton at the lane at the start of october but that and the Oldham game was actually the only two wins in 15, which is a really yeah. terrible, terrible bit of form, that. Darren Kasky hit a, a screamer in that game, I seem to remember. Yeah, he was a nice footballer, Darren Kasky. I remember I went to the Norwich game just after Christmas at home. We lost 3-1 at home, and I just remember the crowd. I mean, James, we've, you know, we've all been, Peter, we've all been to White Hart Lane when it was, uh, wasn't doing well and it was toxic. That was one of those games, 3-1 at home to Norwich. It was toxic there James do you ever remember games being like that around that period being toxic yeah I mean I like to say I didn't go to much the lane those years but a little bit later I do remember this sort of this feeling I think it was a few years later where we sort of seemed to be forever drawing against quite average teams and there was a real sense of frustration there without a doubt yeah I think we expected much more, didn't we, Peter? You know, we'd got a new owner and we won the FA Cup a few years earlier. We got Ozzy Ardiles in, Peter, and it was a bit of a damp squib, wasn't it, going into Christmas? Yeah, because you, you start with the expectations. You mentioned the, the crowd turning, you know, that can sort of seep its way into players' confidence as well. It was like a, a very dis- disappointing run from the expectations we started with. Sim, take us through the run from January the 1st. It was horrific. Wow, yeah, so the Norwich game you talked about, we lost that 3-1. We beat West Ham 3-1 away, but then from New Year's Day, losing at home to Coventry 2-1, we lost seven on the spin, which ended at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea. When I say it ended, I mean, that was the final defeat of it. We lost 4-3 at the bridge, and I watched a bit of that game, and it, Stamford Bridge just looked like a shambles. It was like a car park behind the goal. It's plays of grass growing on the steps. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, we they, they, they were really bad that season as well. I think they were actually below us at that point, and in... It's kind of like yeah, a relegation battle. Uh, James, do you think, you know, any other manager other than Ardiles to lose seven games on the trot would have been sacked, do you think? I think you're right. There's a really good chance that you would. Yeah, you absolutely would. But it's quite difficult at this point in time in the season to sack him now. You've gone for him. He's a marquee signing himself as a manager. And there's the excitement surrounding him coming in. And then you're going on this very bad run at a time of the year where it's probably a bit late in the day to get rid of him. And also, you look at that season and maybe Sugar's looking at it and going, well, Sheringham has been injured for like the whole of the middle of that season. Maybe he's giving him a chance going, well, look, of course it's going to be difficult when your headline striker is out and let's see if we can limp our way to the end end of the year and, and reinvent for next year. And that's pretty much what happened Sim wasn't it so after that run of terrible defeats we drew three games so we had no win in 10 and then we then we won a couple of games didn't we Sim yeah I, I don't know what part of February he came in but that sort of coincides with Kevin Scott coming in I don't know how much I tried to I tried to find some stats on the lineups and I unfortunately couldn't maybe that had a bit of a bearing we were unbeaten in five so we drew three games in a row and then won two games after that maybe that was the run that stopped us from possibly getting relegated that season 
I think Simic did because, you know, we finished three points off relegation. And I remember the West Ham game at home. I remember I went to that game and I, I just remember Ian Bishop and Trevor Morley were fantastic. And I remember Jason Dazelle, the crowd, just being on his back a little bit. And he was quite unsavoury, really. Yeah. You know, I, I felt a bit embarrassed. But Peter, going in towards the end of the season, you know, we were nearly going to get relegated. We lost 2-1 at home to Wimbledon. But then we had Oldham Athletic away, like in a must-win game. We had to win away at Oldham. I mean, how low has Spurs got? We were like a little bit on an knife edge there. Their players were very pumped for it. And I seem to remember they were all really, really very, very muddy. Like, <laughs> yes, they looked, correct. <laughs> they looked a total mess. I don't know, maybe the pitch wasn't great or something. So they looked like they put in this real shift. All of a sudden, they were like, yeah, let's do it now. I think Oldham had like a bit of a fixture backlog and that sort of worked in Spurs' favour because, I mean, going into that game, we had to win that game. Otherwise, we are going to have to beat QPR at home in the last game. And I remember the game was on a Friday night, I think, live on TV and the pitch was shocking. And you know what? We sort of played quite well that night and I remember Samway scored a beautiful goal. Oh, after about just for half time, and that sort of calmed our nerves a little bit. And then I just remember we controlled the game, and then Howe scored about eighty odd minutes. But I remember the fans were brilliant that day because they really stuck with the team. Because I think you know, imagine Peter, if we had got relegated, how much that would have put the club back. Would have been catastrophic at the time. So the crowd did really see what was going on and rallied behind the troops. Do you think that basically this season? set the tone for Sugar going forward, knowing that he had to invest, given that his paltry or the players he bought were so bad, do you think he realised, I need to invest every season? Do you think this was like a turning point for Sugar in yeah, owning so. the club? Yeah, I think it's sort of a bit of a wake-up call. You know, it says, look, I better back him next season. Sheringham being injured so much, you can't really pass judgment on a manager if he's not been backed. So I sort of give him a summer yeah, and, I... and back him properly and see what he can do. <laughs> That's what he had to do, and that's what he did the following season, I guess. So we won that game, and pretty much that kept us up. And we had Queen's Park Rangers at home the last game of the season. And in true Spurs style, we actually lost 2-1 at home to Queen's Park Rangers, which is typical Spurs of the 90s. I guess Jerry Francis was managing in that game, wasn't he, in the dugout opposite Aussie? He was. Yeah, he was. That's quite ironic, wasn't it? Sugar clearly decided he needed to go on and invest. And the way he did that was quite an international look at creating a football team. He created quite an international football team. And I think we had sort of seven players from outside of the UK for the first time. So it certainly broadened his horizons. And maybe having Aussie there as an international manager, that made sense that we started to become a bit more like that. But that's really interesting, James, though, because you remember Sugar had um, Peter, I'm sure you remember this, that Sugar had this comment of he wouldn't want to sign any Carlos kickerballs. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, do you yeah, remember yeah. that term? Yeah, I do yeah, remember yeah. that. Yeah, this, like one of his famous quotes. He had to sort of like go back on that. We'd actually done that before in the 70s. We were, we were pioneers of that. That's a great point. Um, and Sim, let's let's move on from the league season, terrible league season, um, to how we did in the League Cup and then the FA Cup. Yeah, so the, the League Cup was... Um, mm. Yeah, we, we went quite far in it. We we went out to the eventual winners, Aston Villa. That was a uh, big run, Atkinson's Aston Villa. So, against Burnley in round two, drew 0-0 in the first game away, 1-3-1 in the second game, so 1-3-1 in aggregate. 
one one nil at Derby in the next round after that, and then went past Blackburn one nil at the Lane. Campbell scored the only goal in that game, but yeah, uh, got beat two one by Aston Villa at home, and they went on to win it. And then FA Cup. I mean, oh FA Cup. Portman Road seemed to be a regular destination for you around this time, Ian. Yeah, so, I went to that, I went to that game. I mean, a lot of my friends sport Ipswich, so I went to that game. It was an absolutely shocking performance. Thousands of Spurs fans there again. Shocking performance. Lost three nil. That sort of summed up the season for me. Anyway, guys, that season has been an absolute shocking season. One of the worst, I think, in my uh, memory of supporting Spurs. Peter, how would you sum up this season? Bang average. <laughs> I say well below average, surely. No, is it up? Oh yeah. Yeah, well, maybe bang below uh, average, but <laughs> bang below average. Tim, how would you uh, sum it up? I'm gonna give just a name of a player who seemed to be all right, and that's Vinny Samways in this season. That's because a chant came into my yeah. head, which I'm hoping was sung at the time, but I'm guessing it probably wasn't. I'm sure that if he was playing now, that the chant for Vinny Samways could be. But more, much more than this, we've got Vinny Samways. <laughs> and I'm disappointed that that was That's never a chance for him, personally. But yeah, he seemed like no, a pretty good player, so no. I'll just say Vinny Samways. Little regrets a, we had a few, I was a big we? fan of Vinny Samways. Um, <laughs> yeah. And James, how, how would you uh, sum up the season in a couple of words? Off the hook, it could have been so much worse, but we did just get out of jail right at the end. Thanks, James. It's been absolutely wonderful having you uh, on here. And obviously, this possibly is your biggest ever gig, isn't it? Obviously, you've been in Netflix, The Crown. You've been in EastEnders. You've been in Holby Blue. You've been in lots of stuff. But surely this is your biggest stage, isn't it? It's all downhill from here, Ian. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Um, (laughs) I I'll have a word with your agent about your fee. Um, obviously, I'm not sure we can pay in cash. Um, we don't want to get a pack of points. It'd be great, Ian. Thanks for having me. Okay, it's been brilliant having you. Um, Sim and Peter, thank you for your input. Keep safe, guys and listeners. Thanks for listening. And yeah, come on, you Spurs. Well. Cheers. Come on, you Spurs. Speak to you soon. Bye. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye.